to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. I'm JT. Q Myers and Rhett Lewis from NFL Network will join us in a little bit. This is our draft recap special, and it's a big one. And Q, we got a lot of players to go through. Yeah. I wanted to start off with you, big picture overall on this draft. You were in Kansas City. You covered it up close. What you thought the goals of Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniel were, and how they got out of this draft? I thought it was to be really solid, right? And I thought the draft was really solid, top to bottom. I think they got a lot of players that have had production in college, but also have a lot of room to grow, which is something that I think that this Raiders team ultimately needs is a lot of talent, but also talent that can grow. And so when I looked at top to bottom, like I said, from the first round to the seventh round, guys that all had production in school, big-time programs as well. I mean, you're talking about Texas Tech, you're talking about Alabama, you're talking about Florida. You know, I mean, those, those those are schools that expect to win games. And so uh, to see that kind of production from those type of players, Notre Dame, you know, I mean, that's just that's 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 a real solid foundation. I feel like this team came away with. Yeah, I look at it as they got two big picks right out of the gate, which they had to. They right. had to come out of this with two starters right out of the gate. And then they pivoted. Right. They mm-hmm. went to a smaller wide receiver, a quarterback, and then they got right back into what they had to do, getting some bigger names on defense to kind of tighten it up at the end. So. As I told Dave Ziegler after the draft, I think he put his stamp on this. We now know what he is. He's going to look at his board. He's going to live by his board, and he's going to have conviction for his board. If he wants a player and it's a third-round grade and he can get him in the second round, or if it's a fourth-round grade, he can get him in the fifth, whatever he's going to do, he's going to do that. He's not going to waver, and I thought that was a big takeaway for me. One of my things going into the draft was talking to Dave Ziegler uh, before the pre-draft process, you know, when they had the the final media session before the draft, it seemed like he was very calm, cool, collective. Remember, he didn't have a first or second round pick last year. So this is the first time we actually saw him navigate through a whole draft and it just seemed like he was very calm and very, as a matter of fact, about what he wanted to get accomplished. And I believe for the most part that's what they did. That was a great point. Peter King was on Raider Nation Radio, his column. He had access inside the war room and I thought the key to that too was how calm Dave Ziegler is. This isn't a guy who wants to work under chaos. All of a sudden, Mm -hmm. phones are ringing. He takes his time. He makes a decision. He looks at the point value for the trades and Mm -hmm. says, that makes sense, that doesn't. And then they pivot and they work. And it's not a lot of emotion when they're flying high and flying low here. That was very important to me because Dave talked about Al Davis, kind of the the vision of Al Davis and what it meant. That was cool. And Al Davis was the guy, he made the pick. Right. He listened to everybody. That that was his pick. Yeah. With Dave, you sense that he's listening to everybody and going to make a pick with collaboration all around, and I think he pulled it off. There's some question marks I have because I want to know how many of these players are going to be on the field for the home opener or the road opener and see how many of these guys have an impact early. Right, and I do think that there are some definite impact players in this draft that they selected, you know, obviously starting at the top with Tyree Wilson, but I think that there's a lot of guys that you're going to see production from pretty early, and I think that this team is expecting to do that. But, you know, just hearing from the great Peter King about, you know, what the Al Davis uh, picture in front of the war room meant to – Dave Ziegler, and you know, that's the one thing that I've talked about quite a bit when it comes to this new staff, when it comes to Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, they really respect what it means to be a Raider, and I think that that's something special that should not be overlooked. No, it's a really good point. So let's stay with Tyree Wilson. You covered him in college. You know his head coach. Here's my takeaway with him. He can come off the edge. He can move inside. Mm -hmm. Well, that's Cleveland Farrell, all right? But Cleveland didn't work out, number four overall. I think this is a better player, a more productive player, hopefully on the outside, and someone that I think Max is going to need a break from time to time. Mm-hmm. Max can't play every down right. the entire year. He'll tell you he will. But I think that he's going to be able to play inside, outside with Max, with Chandler. 
Talk about his versatility. No, I agree with that. And, and, you know, Max Crosby is a guy that he actually looks up to, right? I mean, he's told me multiple times, I would like to play with Max Crosby. I'd like to play with Chandler Jones. He's got a long wingspan, like similar to Max Crosby. And so he's a guy that has a burn in his belly. And, and Joey McGuire, his head coach at Texas Tech, told us a story when he was on Raider Nation Radio 920 with us where he said that, look, they were losing to TCU. They were not going to win that game. Tyree had already checked out. Other starters had already checked out. But TCU started driving. And he said, Coach, put me back in. They're not scoring right here. They're not scoring. We're going to make sure that they don't, and they didn't. And it's just that's, that's the kind of mentality that you want. Like, hey, I know that this game is going to be a loss, but we're not going to let them embarrass us. That's the kind of guys that you want out there, that motor that doesn't quit. That's very uh, Max Crosby-like. Well, we're going to see how good he is long-term because Jalen Carter dropped. Yeah. He dropped from, I thought he was going five to Seattle. I did too. And then the Raiders at seven could have took him. If the Raiders would have took Jalen Carter, I would have had no problem with that if they vetted him. Right. They passed on him, and this was the best player available. When I looked at all the mocks and put my mock together, I had him going anywhere from five to Seattle up to 10 Mm -hmm. to Philadelphia and the Raiders got him there number seven overall I think that's a solid pick for them it definitely is I saw him mocked as high as number two to Houston overall uh, you know to number two over all to Houston and uh, anywhere from maybe two to ten and and like you said for them to be able to get him at number seven I think that that was a a really good pick Uh, he's a guy that again like I mentioned has production already in college I mean the last two seasons at Texas Tech had seven sacks right I mean he's he's had that production but at the same time he's got plenty of room to grow that's the thing about it and when you look at like a guy like Will Anderson, who we all agree is a really good player, you kind of know who he's going to be, and you don't know how much better he's going to get. I think Tyree Wilson has a better chance to grow and get even better. Well, Tyree Wilson, the biggest takeaway for me is he has to come in instantly. Yeah. Instantly and be a star at Allegiant Stadium. He looks the part. Look at the way he dressed, picked (laughs) up the commissioner. He's got some moxie and some swagger to him, and he's got to play with that. 6'5", plus almost 6'6". His weight is not a problem at all. He's fit. He looks athletic. I like all that and what he was able to do in college last year with the quarterback pressures. But do you expect him to move inside? I don't want to see him off the field. I know there are going to be players where they're going to sub him out, but I want to see him out there more so than even Chandler Jones. He's got to be the bookend to Max Crosby. How do you see that? I agree. I agree 100%. But I think that there's an opportunity for him to be out there with Max and with Chandler Jones as well. So I I don't know if they're going to call it a NASCAR package, what they're going to call it, but I think that that's a good opportunity for him to be out there, Max to be out there, Chandler to be out there. And then all of a sudden you're looking at the quarterback and the quarterback's thinking, that's a nightmare in front of me, right? All those guys getting after me. So uh, as long as he can continue to grow, I do think you'll see him spell Chandler Jones quite a bit and maybe see, save Chandler for some situational pass rushing. But, uh, you know, to have all three of them uh, have that opportunity to be out there at the same time, I think that's going to help the defense. I love the comparison here. If you're watching, if you're listening, we'll tell you the wingspan. Giannis yeah. Antetokounmpo, 7'3". Uh, Chandler Jones, 7'1", Max, 6'9", and then Tyree Wilson comes in, 7'5". So he's got a wingspan of an NBA power forward, and he's got to play like that. He's got to also knock down balls, Q. That's Mm -hmm. really important on obvious pass plays against the great Patrick Mahomes. Let's just talk about the two different quarterbacks that are going to give the Raiders Probably the most problems. It would be Justin Herbert, and no doubt about it, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. With Mahomes, I think he can chase him down. Mm -hmm. So he can chase him down. When Mahomes goes crazy, he can go get him. But with Herbert, he can put his arms up and block the ball. And I think that's going to be really important when he gets him. And he's a finisher. When he finishes quarterbacks, he drives them into the ground and punishes them. That's real important, too. It it really is. But uh, I think you hit it on the head when you said batting the ball down. That's a fine art where the greats do it. The greats are really good. Hey, they're not going to get there. They're not going to be able to get to the quarterback. Get your hands up and knock the ball down. I mean, when J.J. Watt was at his best, what were they calling him? J.J. Swat. Right? I mean, he was knocking down all the balls. So that's something that Max Crosby has put into his arsenal. Chandler Jones obviously has it. Tyree Wilson, if he can 
establish that as well. That'll be big for his production. But I'm with you, man. He's got to be a guy that's going to see the field early and see the field often. So the only thing he's got to do is make sure that he's healthy and ready to go. There's one more comparable I want to get to, and that would be Christian Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. Because I thought you sat here and I sat here. We say Devin Weatherspoon or Christian Gonzalez. They did not go corner because Witherspoon was gone early, which was a shock to me that Seattle went that road. I thought Seattle was going Carter again. So once he was off the board, then it was Gonzalez, but Gonzalez dropped to out of the top 10. So the Raiders had to make that decision. Why do you believe they made the decision to go edge rusher over corner? It just, to me, felt like that they wanted to build it from the front to the back, inside out, right? I think that they just wanted to make sure and establish the defensive line and get the pressure to the quarterback and it'll make all their corners that much better. And Champ Kelly talked after the first day, you know, him and Dave Ziegler talked to the media following the first day of the draft, and that was one of the highlights that he had was, hey, we want to get pressure on the quarterbacks from the edge, from the interior, build the thing from the inside out. And, you know, it's going back to football 101, right? That's how you do it. Build the trenches and work your way out. So as much as I'm a guy, and I know as EA was sitting here, I mean, he's a corner. He wants to see that top flight corner. I always say DBs win games. Reality is you've got to be able to get pressure up front. Well, the next pick is Michael Mayer, and that was a shock to me. Not that the Raiders took him and the Raiders wanted him. I didn't think he'd be available. (laughs) Me either. So what happened after the end of the first round, it was clear that Dave Ziegler was working the phones, Mm -hmm. was going to make the move to move up here. Now, what was fascinating to me was Joey Porter Jr. was available. Okay, so would the Raiders want him? No, I think that from what Dave said, and we'll talk to him on this, this was the 15th ranked total player on the board. Much higher ranked than Joey Porter Jr. So they got the player they wanted. This was a bonus first-round pick, which is critical. And that's what I told you I was waiting for in our draft preview. Use some of those 12 picks to go up and get talent that's higher than where they are. And they were able to do that with this player. Yeah, you mentioned multiple times uh, about uh, you know going up and trading into the back end of round one. And it seemed like that they were going to do that for Michael Mayer because he was still on the board. But going back to what Dave Ziegler does and what he believes in and his philosophy is being disciplined. And that's in the draft. That's in free agency. He's disciplined. He has a certain amount. Okay, this is what I'm willing to spend. This is what I'm willing to do and he's not going to go over it, which is very critical. So, no, he didn't make the move to trade back into the first round to get Mayer, but then in round two, going up from 38 to 35, it's a lot less draft capital he has to give up, and he still gets a first-round talent. I think this dude is going to be phenomenal in this offense. I mean, I don't want to put Gronk out there Mm -hmm. just because Gronk's a Hall of Famer, but this dude is phenomenal. Yeah, let's put out a closer-to-home comp. Let's throw Dave Casper. Yeah, Same number, same number in college, same team, same number here, and I think he has a lot of Dave Casper in him. What he is is look at how he can go after the catch mm-hmm. and if the if he falls forward and when he's tackled, he gets four yards. Yeah. When he falls forward, he elevates and dives, and he picks up another three or four yards. He is an impact because of Kittle. Mm-hmm. Just think of Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle and what he'll be able to do. Jimmy G is going to want to check down yep. to a tight end who's going to be wide open over the middle of the field. This is a guy who will catch the ball, can do it all. He's a first-team AP All-American. I thought he was the best tight end by far. Yep. I was surprised he didn't go first, but the Raiders have to get him in quickly. And Q, another really Really important point as we talk about the offensive line going forward. When this guy lines up on the edge, he is far superior of a blocker than Darren Waller and the great Foster Moreau, who we always wish well are here. This yep. guy you can line up in a package if you want to run the ball on his side, and he will road grade mm-hmm. people in front of him, and he can take out linebackers, and a safety doesn't want to go near this guy. No, no, Lincoln Kennedy's going to be very happy with yeah. him. Lincoln always talks about the tight end and, and their ability to block, and Michael Mayer has that ability to block, and that's the thing about it. Soft hands, but a tough blocker, and a guy that, as he was talking to us following his selection, you know, he was on the little Zoom call, he 
he was mm. saying that you know he wants to he wants to run through guys, yeah, right? Does. I mean, he's he's a tough dude. So I'm excited about the opportunity to see what the offense is going to look like with the addition of Mayer, and again with the blocking ability. I mean, a guy like Josh Jacobs has to his eyes have to light up knowing if he gets the ball and he's going out that way. He's going to have a blocker out there. I, I believe, personally, the strength of this team going forward will be their red zone offense. It yep. had to be improved. That's why they moved on to this quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. You get a red zone weapon along with Devontae and everybody else who's on this offensive roster, especially right. Jacoby Myers. In the red zone now, look at this <laughs> tight end. Right. So now you can line him up wide. You can line him up inside. He is going to request a double team, and he's not going to get it because the double team is going to go on the fade pass to Devontae. Yep. So he's got to be open, or Jacoby, Hunter Renfro, whoever it is, the wide receivers that they have here. This is a team cue that I think my big takeaway, here it is, when they're in the red zone, you're throwing. Yeah. You're throwing, you're taking shots in the end zone, yep. not in front of the end zone, because he can go up and high point the ball along with Devontae Adams. Yeah, and he can use his his body, and he was a basketball player yeah. formerly, too. He could use his body to block out, you know, just similar to what we're seeing in the NBA playoffs, seeing the guys down low going up and getting the rebound, or or like I said, just kind of shielding off a defender and putting those, they're getting their position in front of the rim. That's what he's going to be able to do, and so you're right, the double teams can't be there. Devontae is phenomenal in the red zone, and this guy is really good. I mean, ones, he was first in every category when it comes to college in the red zone. So it just gives another target for Jimmy G. And that's one of the things that the Raiders have struggled with the most is not doing exactly what you said, throwing the ball into the end zone. It's always a lot of checkdowns or expecting Josh Jacobs to make something happen on the ground. They've got to throw the ball into the end zone consistently. Now they have more weapons. When you think of what this team is going to do, we're inside the Raiders headquarters here. When they're outside at the practice fields or inside, their red zone work is going to go to the next level. It has to yeah. for a number of reasons. And my takeaway before we bring back Rhett Lewis, who's going to join us coming up here in a bit, is this is a team after the mayor pick that I believe can hold the ball longer than last year and sustain drives, stay on the field. It helps so the, the defense, de- too. It has to cue. It has <laughs> to help the yeah. defense get more rest and be more potent as the defense has more rotational players and players that are going to play at a high level. Rhett Lewis has been great inside this building with the podcast, everything he adds. He'll join us next from NFL Network, and we'll get his opinion on what the Raiders pulled off in the draft. It's our draft special live from HQ. Welcome back. We are having our draft special recap show brought to you by America First Credit Union, Raiders Roundtable, Q Myers, and now Rhett Lewis joins us from NFL Network. How do you do it? I said this on my other radio shows when we had you on. How many hits did you have, podcast, (laughs) radio, and TV over the last week? Hey, it, it might have been uh, we might have been into the hundreds, <laughs> yeah. but it was all. I mean, this is like getting Christmas three days in a row for me here. Okay, is is the best season of the year? I mean, you can say fall, you can say you can say summer or holiday. This is the draft is is my my Christmas time. It is my time. Uh, I love it. It, it look it, it it stems from being you know growing up in New Orleans, you know, and being a, a tortured son of a Saints employee, uh, where where you know like the draft was our Super Bowl every year. Okay, yeah. so like that's that. That's where it comes from. Let's start with Trade Tucker, in your opinion. You knew he was yeah. on your radar. I call this the Darren Waller pick, 100, yeah. right, for Darren Waller and the compensation. Yeah. Why at this time did they go in that direction, in your opinion? 
I, I think immediately what you're going to see is impact in the return game on special teams. This is a dude with two kick return touchdowns to his credit in his career at Cincinnati. Um, and then he brings the speed and the strength. You're talking about a 4-3-40 type of player, which he ran at his pro day. He's been timed sub 4-3. Duke can also throw up 600 on the squat rack. So it's not like you're just getting a little jitterbug here. This is a guy that, like, when you put the ball in his hands, he can make dudes miss, and then he's got the, the physicality to hold up as well. Really solid dude. I think you put him in the slot where he spent most of his career at Cincinnati, and I think he just gives you something different than what Hunter Renfro gave you. We love what Hunter can do generating separation in a phone booth, but what Tucker does is is bring that speed element, that deep stretch the field element from a slot receiver role. I think he's going to have, like I said, immediate impact on special teams, and he'll grow into a big role on offense. You know, the funny fact about him that we learned after he was drafted and he was on the Zoom call with us is that he was a wrestler, right? That he has wrestling background yeah. and wrestling traits, and he's able to put that into his game on the football field. How much tougher do you think that that makes him, even though he's a smaller guy, but he has those tough background traits? It's feisty, man. Yeah. He's feisty. I love that. I love the edge that those kind of dudes bring to them. Like that's what Raider Nation is going to love about this player is that competitiveness, that edge that you see in his background. And I particularly, and I'm sure Dave and, and the rest of the the uh, you know personnel evaluation team with the Raiders love guys who have played multiple sports and they've got that multi-sport background. You hear it from college coaches all the time. They want to recruit those kids. And so to see that, uh, that Trey Tucker has that wrestling background does not surprise me one bit. I saw him live and the dude was a flipping monster. He was so tough to bring down. I saw him against my alma mater, Indiana, and he absolutely torched him, got into the end zone in that game. Like, just a really solid player. So, Rhett, you're really familiar with this player, and obviously Dave Ziegler, the Akron-Ohio connection, and John Carroll yeah. and all that. So we get that. The only thing that confuses me is DeAndre Carter, Hunter Renfro, special teams and why Carter was brought in and what they're trying to do. There's only so many yeah. receivers that are going to make this team. And it sounds like you're saying – and I like this, his ability to stretch the field from the slot. You can go play right. action with Josh, and then all of a sudden he's gone. I mean, Trey's gone. He can get behind the secondary pretty quick, and you can have Devontae coming underneath on a crossing route or Michael Mayer just doing you know, a 10-yard sit-down route, and all of a sudden the field opens up for Jimmy G. Uh, JT is a great point. And, and so, you know, it, it helps to have different flavors, right? Like you're always trying to build a basketball team with your wide receiver core. Like you've got the stud small forward of Devontae Adams who could do anything from stretching the field to the intermediate routes to the short game, throw it to him quick, watch him go. He could do everything on the floor, right? Uh, if we're, if we're continuing that analogy. And now what you've got is, is the home run threat here with Trey Tucker, which maybe you just didn't have in that, in that form of a slot wide out. I'm sure you could put, you could pop him outside if you want to as well and let him blow the top off so I just think that he gives you versatility within your wide receiver room and you know look you, you never know how things are going to shake out and 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 in terms of injuries and in terms of opportunities once you get to training camp and and mini camp so like you want to have some some depth both at the kick return spot at the punt return spot which he's also done in his career and then just give you more options and more versatility within your offense red i did want to ask you about jacorian bennett the 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 cornerback out of maryland he's a guy and and it's funny he doesn't have big size but he's got big production and again i, I feel like with all these draft picks that dave ziegler had there was a lot of production production behind these yeah. guys. Ja'Cory and Bennett out of Maryland, what were your thoughts on him? Well, uh, if you're into speed, 
then you found the right guy. <laughs> just right? with just, a, just speed kills, right? <laughs> just speed, baby. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, yeah, the ghost of Mr. Davis was flying around here for sure with this pick. I mean, like this, he would have absolutely loved Jacorian Bennett, 430, 40-yard dash uh, at the combine. He and his buddy Deontay Banks lit it up on that turf at Lucas Oil Stadium. Banks goes in the first round, Jacorian Bennett a bit later here. But again, this is a player that has over 1,300 career snaps out wide at the corner spot in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you know, like dealing with wide receivers, you know, like Marvin Harrison at Ohio State, you know, and like that talented core that they've got there. Ronnie Bell, who was a draft pick uh, a bit later, the San Francisco 49ers in this very draft. Like he has been there and done that with the best uh, in the country and has proven to hold up, to, to hold up very well. He's a dude that gets his hands on the football too. led the team at PBUs this last year. So I love those types of dudes that have the traits for one. Right. The size, he's plenty, plenty big enough. And then, of course, he's got the speed. But then you see that ball production Mm -hmm. and it's like we start to put this whole package together. And for a secondary that definitely needs a little help out there on the perimeter, because we love what Nate Hobbs can do in the slot. Right. We need need a little bit more depth out there out wide at corner. This is a dude that has that type of experience. Red Lewis joins us on Raiders Roundtable. All right, Red, this is this is where I was a bit confused. And I think risk reward is something you cover really good. They get Bennett. They wanted him. They ended up getting Christopher Smith, right? They get the players they wanted. But what happens if they weren't there because they went trade Tucker and they they went quarterback? That's what confuses me. They got Bennett in between Tucker and O'Connell. But I was saying at one point in this draft, you got to keep pounding away on the defense. You already got two out of your first three picks. The defense needs to be overhauled. And now they're getting two offensive weapons close in the draft here. So that's what confused me. Now I understand why they did it. Those players (laughs) were highly, you know, high on their board. But I didn't understand it at the time because I thought defense should have still been a priority. And and look, I think that's okay, too. But what you're you're judging throughout this draft process is how things are going to fall – in terms of landscape within your draft room right. and your board. And while, you know, needs are important. And I thought that, you know, Dave and company did a great job filling some of those needs and starting to fill those needs during free agency. Cause that's really what free agency is about, right? Because it is a targeted approach. Whereas within the draft, you're trying to find good football players. Uh, you're trying to find good football players because you're getting them, at a reasonable rate where that's usually not the case in free agency, where you're almost always overpaying for players, at least in terms of market value. So here I totally get it. You get a quarterback who you see a future in, in terms of developing down the road with Aiden O'Connell, who is under no pressure to come in here and play, you know, in the next year or two, maybe even three. And you get a player who's got a skill set that your head coach is familiar with, one of the most accurate passers in this entire draft, a guy who has beaten the odds time and time again, has been given the starting job at Purdue, had it taken away, earned it back. Like, that's the type of competitor, the type of mature player, by the way, just got married uh, a little while ago as well, like that I want on this team that understands his role, which is going to be to support Jimmy Garoppolo early and continue to improve his game. So, like, very difficult to pass on that. Plus, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, like I, I firmly believe, and not just with the Raiders, but we saw 11 quarterbacks taken in the top 150 picks, which is a common draft era record, 14 total. The majority of those players were drafted on day three. I, this is the Brock Purdy effect in mm-hmm. my in my mind. You're, you're trying to find and look at the types of players, types of quarterbacks that were selected there. 
Aiden O'Connell played six years of college football. Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA played six years of college football. Sean Clifford from Penn State, six years of college football. Clayton Toon, same thing at Houston. Like you go up and down, people are trying to find those experienced quarterbacks that have seen a lot of ball, have played a lot of ball. And Aiden certainly fits that bill. And I think he's going to give the Raiders uh, some real opportunity to grow that quarterback room uh, for the future. So, look, I understand your point about kind of deviating maybe from the need structure because the value was too high on where you had Trey Tucker slotted because of his dual impact, where you had Aiden O'Connell slotted because he is a quarterback. But the fact that you were still able to get a couple of D tackles, one earlier in Byron Young, one later in Nesta Jade Silvera, I think you're still starting to find some real quality depth pieces there along that defense. You know, let's stick with Aiden O'Connell real quick. You know, he's yeah. not a guy that's real mobile, but he's a guy that can get the ball out of his hands real quickly. So maybe that's how he makes up for the lack of mobility. But what do you think? I mean, you know a lot about yeah. this young man. What do you think his ceiling would be for the silver and black? Well, look, I think, you you know, you're drafting him because you see a future in him. You know, you're, you're not drafting him to say, like, ah, well, he, he may never really develop. No, I think you're seeing some potential in, in this guy being an NFL starter. And okay. I'm certainly not going to tell him that he can't be. Um, and, and, and here's the other thing. Sometimes it doesn't work out to where you're going to be the starter with the team that drafts you. That's happened a ton of times. Look at the way that Philadelphia stockpiles quarterbacks. They did it again in this draft. Like, they might end up flipping Tanner McKee for, you know, a third-round pick uh, to, to go challenge to be a starter somewhere three years down the road like there's value in getting these quarterbacks having them be you know valuable backups for you and then having them create value for themselves which in turn might create value for you later on down the road where you can flip these guys you know for draft picks if in case if in fact he's not going to find himself on the field here in las vegas so i think there's there's just double value in that sense he's going to give you a reliable backup here early on developmental player and then perhaps provides even more value either as a starter down the road or as a guy that is a trade piece that is an outstanding point when you Mm -hmm. talk about having a chip for down the road so best case scenario he develops into a starter because he has an elite quarterback guru and josh mcdaniels and he picks it up quickly or you can move him down the road and look, that's why I asked you this at this pick, because yeah. I thought right guard or developmental right tackle, at that point, if there are a few there, you go get that. That's more important to keeping Jimmy G upright. But again, the Raiders needed another quarterback. I think Hoyer yeah. is an exceptional backup quarterback, mm-hmm. but he's a backup Certainly. quarterback. Right. And I'm just wondering, uh, two years from now, are we looking at Aiden O'Connell as an exceptional backup quarterback yeah. or if he gets thrown in the fire say the Raiders are six and three or they got seven or eight wins and all of a sudden he's got to come in depending on who's yeah. the quarterback and win games can he do that and it seems like Red, he's going to know this system inside and out the quarterback here under Josh McDaniels is different than other organizations yeah. and you got to learn this playbook quickly you got to adapt quickly you got to be the first in the last to leave Let's touch on that, what Josh McDaniel's expectations are going to be for this young man who's played a lot, as you said, is married, is mature beyond his years already, and he's going to be able to understand this playbook quickly. Well, I think that's so important. All of those pieces factor into the draft profile for this player in Aiden O'Connell. And, you know, I remember going back and following Purdue as I do, you know, covering the Big Ten um, as well as like. I remember hearing Jeff Brom talk about him while he was in a three-way competition a couple of years ago to be the starting quarterback. And like all he kept, all Jeff Brom kept saying about Aiden O'Connell is this is the most accurate quarterback we have in this race. I'm like, well, why isn't he starting? 
like accuracy, you can't really teach. I mean, like you can work on footwork and you work on mechanics to try to get better. But like this dude's accuracy is his superpower. His between the years is his superpower, his decision making. And the fact that he's been around college, what's the dude that started at Purdue, walked on a campus at Purdue, seventh on the depth chart wow. ends up being one of the one of the all-time leaders okay in terms of passing production at a very prestigious passing school there in west lafayette so i really like that the other part about this that i really like is he's a guy that understands what it means to learn and grow behind other players and while you want to be the starter the way you handle yourself in those situations is very important and that's what he's going to be in here right now with brian horror and with Jimmy Garoppolo, and what you've given is an opportunity for this quarterback room to really have calm waters, right? You're not drafted a guy who's always been the starter everywhere he's ever been his entire life, and now he's the backup, and he's like, whoa, I, I'm not into this. Like, that's not who Aiden O'Connell is. He's going to understand what his role is and continue to work to increase that role, but I think he is going to be a terrific piece inside. I think you're going to have a really cohesive unit within that quarterback room. And all those dudes, Brian, while you may not see Brian Hoyer, may not see Aiden O'Connell, they're helping get the best out of Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Like that is a unit in there. They support each other. They do homework for each other. Um, so I think, you know, Josh's expectations are for Aiden is be a good person in the room, be a, be a support system in the room, work on yourself when you have the opportunity and, you know, let's see where this thing takes us down the road. Brett Lewis from the NFL Network is our guest here on Raiders Roundtable. I wanted to go back to the secondary real quick and talk about a guy yeah. with production, Christopher Smith, the safety out of Georgia. You know, two-time national champion, obviously back-to-back years, but six interceptions the last two seasons. Again, production and room to grow. What are your thoughts of the safety position with Christopher Smith? Well, look, I think it's kind of interesting because you're not going to typecast a player uh, into Dave Ziegler's model, right? I mean, like, yeah, we saw speed with Trey Tucker, speed with Corey and Bennett, and then we saw four six two forty with Christopher Smith. <laughs> does he put? Does he play faster than that? Yeah, you better believe he does to compete in the SEC the way he has uh, as a post safety, as a deep middle safety for Georgia. Uh, the way that he's able to get his hands on the football, six picks the last couple of years, ten PBUs the last couple of years. Like this is a dude who understands what's happening in front of him. Right. And I think that is such an important quality for safeties in this league. I think he'll be a special teamer. Um, I think he'll, he'll definitely be a core teams guy early on in his career and work himself into a role defensively. But, uh, you know, he also kind of reminds me a little bit of a player who was drafted in the third round that kind of had a similar athletic profile and Jair Brown out of Penn State. Yeah, ran four, six, five, but the dude just started for three years at Penn State. And again, one of the best and highest levels of college football. And so I think Chris Smith kind of represents a, a similar piece to that. And, you know, as one of those guys who can let it all unfold in front of them, in front of him, who's played the majority as a, you know, as a role player in the back end, as a free safety, as we kind of look at those things, I, I think that's just a really valuable piece right there. Well, winning look, culture, too. Yeah, yes. I, I, we're going to stay on this because Q and yeah. I have been talking about this, and a lot of fans say it. Trayvon Merrick, this is the wake up call. Yes, it is. I mean, he came yeah. in highly touted, mm-hmm. and I look at him, Red, as a center fielder who plays at the warning track. He doesn't make plays in front of him in regards to getting the football. Mm-hmm. He doesn't catch yeah. the football very well, and he's had multiple opportunities to do it. I think he's a unique athlete he might be a better athlete 
than Smith. I don't know that, but I think they need to compete. The best player needs to be out there in the secondary. I want the playmaker who's going to turn the football over. We haven't seen that from Merrick. We saw this from Smith. The problem with Smith is he did get beat deep a lot. We saw that happen from time to time in some big games, especially, you know, in Final Fours where if they do take shots, at times he can bite and come up there. So I'm fascinated to, to get your opinion. Who do you think has the lead here? Merrig or Smith when it comes to starting here or maybe by midseason? Yeah, look, I think it's it's obviously it's Trayvon Merrick's job still. I mean, yeah, and you're right. Yeah, he does. While he does play, like we see him down in the slot every now and then. We'll see him roll up into the box every now and then. He is primarily, you know, in that kind of center fielder role, um, just to kind of borrow a, a common phrase there. And so, like, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you want to get you always want to be trying to improve and upgrade. And that's what the draft is about. And that's what day three of the draft is about is finding guys uh, who either fill needs, have traits, or can be a depth piece for you moving forward that eventually challenge for a starting job. And that's why I feel like, yeah, Chris Smith could be that type of player. Again, played in a complicated defense uh, with Kirby Smart, uh, you know, understands how to how to deliver hits when he needs to and how to find the football when it's in the air, which I think is obviously evidenced by his production in college. So I think he's got an opportunity here. Now, I'm not going to tell you that he's going to capitalize and become your day one starter, you know, at, at, at safety. But what he has is an opportunity and how he works over the course of rookie minicamp, OTAs, regular minicamp, and then into the fall and in the preseason, then we'll start to see, you know, how early we can expect to see this guy on the field. Because if he starts making plays, right, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. You'll find a way to get him out there. Yeah, you want the playmaker on the field at the end of the day. You always want the playmaker on the field. I wanted to ask you about my favorite pick in this draft. That's Byron Young, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, the third-round pick. Uh, This is a guy that's really good at stopping the run and got an opportunity to get after the quarterback last season in Alabama, came away with four sacks. Uh, How big of a difference maker and how early do you feel like he can get on the field for the Raiders? Well, here's the thing. Like, I think this is a really intriguing pick because he's a dude that's a little south of 300 pounds, but has plays big enough to eat some space for you in the run game, can be a blue-collar player in that way. But, you know, everyone looked up at Jalen Carter in terms of interior pressure, right, in the SEC from the defensive tackle position. But you know who was second in terms of providing that interior pressure more often? It was Byron Young from Alabama. Like, he had four fewer pressures than Jalen Carter this year. Uh, so I'm telling you, like, you know, while, while you're wondering, you know, you, some, you know, some Raider fans out there might be like, ah, oh, you know, Jalen Carter was on the board at seven. Maybe that's something we should have considered. I think you got a phenomenal value in Tyree Wilson falling to you at seven. And you got a player in Byron Young who is, you know, is not Jalen Carter. But, man, like, it's, it, the, the gap may not be that big because I do feel like he is a versatile player in terms of, being a guy that can help you stop the run and then providing that interior pass rush that quarterbacks just hate. So I really like that pick there, especially where they got him. Well, I read as we wrap it up, we'll stay with him because what's going to happen at this interior defensive tackle position, Tillery, Matthew Butler, Neil Farrell, Bilal Nichols. I mean, they got a lot yeah. of players mm-hmm. here, and I want to know that this guy's going to play. I mean, I get this yeah. rotational piece, and there's a lot of that going on, and that seems to be the philosophy of this regime, which is a good one. Fresh legs, rotation. He doesn't have to start on the first series of a drive, but if the Raiders are at midfield and he comes in and he's able to get him off the field because he makes a great play, that's what I want to be able to see. What should be his percentage of snaps in a game? Like when you're drafted number 70 overall and you got that many tackles and interior defensive players already in the room, give us some expectations of how much we could see him. 
Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, early on, you're probably going to have to earn some snaps, mm -hmm. right? And so I think you're going to have to, what you're going to have to do is make the most of the 10 to 15 snaps that you're seeing early on. And then maybe you work that thing into 15 to 20 by midseason. And then if you're playing 25 snaps a game as an interior defensive lineman, like that, that's kind of what you're looking for here. 25, I mean, like Aaron Donald is a freak, right? He plays every snap like that. You know, you just don't see that across the league time in and time out. Like, look how the Philadelphia Eagles are able to rotate 10 deep at times. I mean, like you had guys like Brandon Graham on their NFC championship run and their Super Bowl. He played 16 snaps. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So if you start to build a stable like that, I think, you know, snap count becomes irrelevant and snap effectiveness is what you're really looking at. And so if he can find some real effective and productive football in 10 to 15, you know, maybe closer to 20 snaps, like, man, like that's a win early on for a def interior defensive player early in his career. You know, I really feel like he's a guy that can earn a lot of snaps in practice, right? With his yeah, ability yeah. to get after it in practice, he's going to show that he deserves to be on the field. He played in over 50 games there at Alabama, and I think that that's something that we shouldn't discount, right? We should realize that yeah. that experience is going to go a long way with this team in, in particular. Uh, absolutely, and I think you saw that throughout this entire draft. And, and look, I think a lot of these players, you know, this is still part of that COVID those COVID classes, right, where they had some of that extra eligibility and you had a player like Byron who was able to take advantage of that in five years and he ends up with 50 games. And look, I, I think that's that's phenomenal, right? That you're getting a player that's coming in that much more experienced and ready to contribute. I think we're going to see that kind of across the board to see rookies, especially those that, were, that had that extra experience that are going to be able to play meaningful snaps more of them more often and earlier in their careers. I think Byron Young will definitely be one of those players for the Raiders. All right, Rhett, last one, an important yep. one with Dave Ziegler. Last year he comes in, it's a quick turnaround. He doesn't have all his scouts. He has to deconstruct the roster during the season, right, getting out of contracts, yeah. figuring out what he's going to do. Now he had a full off season with his scouts, the senior bowl with Patrick Graham, all of that. So what was the message from him? When you saw we started off, he was calm, he was cool, he didn't do anything crazy outside the box, but taking away what you were looking for with Dave Ziegler, yeah. what can we tell our audience that we should learn from him going forward as the GM? He's a key, has a keen eye for value. Um, and it, it doesn't – what you're trying to do when you take over a franchise is you are trying to build a roster 1 to 53, not 1 to 25 or 1 to 22 in terms of starters. And the better the 53rd man on the roster is, the better the team is. And so as you keep kind of churning down there at that bottom end, the top end starts to get better because they're not asked to do as much as often. And so I think what we saw here is value, value from 1 to 53. You get a you get a top 22 type player in Tyree Wilson in terms of a starter right on the defensive side of the ball that can give you starter snaps and starter productivity. And then like you start filtering down in there. I think you're going to see some real contributions from this draft class. I thought, you know, methodical and again, just very as you guys were talking about in your in your opening segment, very calm and understanding of the room and understanding of the roster and understanding of what it takes to make those two things come together and to get the most out of both both facets in order to find the best possible 53 here for this Raiders team in 2023 and so like I just saw value throughout I saw an emphasis on wanting to get faster as a team we saw that in this draft and then, like, you just got you got to find those dudes that are just junkyard dogs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you got in Byron Young. That's what you got in Chris Smith. 
Like those types of players are key. And and like sometimes you got to throw the measurables out and you got to just say, like, I know this dude can play football because I've flipping seen it on tape. And that's what some of these dudes bring here. And so that's what I think we're building here in Las Vegas. Red, enjoy the time off if you get any. I have a sense you don't get much. So enjoy it when you do. You were fantastic. Thanks a lot for doing this. JTQ, my pleasure. Anytime, guys. Wow, that was really good. He's really good. Rhett Lewis, pleasure to have him on from NFL Network. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. We'll talk about a couple of the other positions here, some of the rooms from the defensive backs to the defensive tackles that we talked about, the offense. We got it all right here. It's our draft recap from Raiders headquarters. This is Raiders Roundtable. All right, we're wrapping it up on the roundtable, brought to you by American First Credit Union. Rhett Lewis was great, Q Myers, JT, and I can't wait to see this roster now. I like to put the depth chart in here, and I thought I had it figured out a little bit before the draft. And as we look at some of the positional groups, Q, they did a lot of work in the offseason bringing in depth. Right Now I think they brought in more depth. I think there's going to be a lot of fight to make this roster. As it should be. There's going to be yeah, a, a lot, lot of competition, of right? I mean, the defensive tackle position is really deep. I mean, we've talked about the safeties and, you know, how Trayvon Merrick is going to have a lot of work to do. And I just think that that's the key to building the best team. And I think Rhett said it best. You're not trying to build the best 22. You're trying to build the best 53. And if the 53rd man is a really good player, that means the rest of your team is going to be really good. And I've been confident, as I told you, with this offense. I think this offense is loaded yeah. on paper. It is. It's yep. loaded on paper. It could be a top five, six seven offense in the league. Would I like another offensive lineman? Absolutely. And another starter can be found. Dave Ziegler isn't done yet, but I think the offensive line, we know what we have there. They led the league in rushing with Josh Jacobs, but as we spent a lot of time with Red on, I think the defensive tackle room is going to be really important. Yeah. Whoever is playing on that rotation, which would be the second rotation coming in, the second group, so the non-starters have to be great. Because if they're going to get on the field, they have to blow up the line of scrimmage or they're not going to get on the field. So that's going to be really competitive. I can't wait to see how that develops in camp. Well, the Raiders haven't had that defensive tackle that's been able to get pressure on the quarterback in a really long time, right? I mean, we talk about it quite a bit, that they need to get those guys. They need to find those guys. So to have a deep room like they do right now, somebody has an opportunity to shine during during camp. Right, exactly. I mean, you're looking at Butler. You're looking at Jade Silvera. You're looking at Young, Butler, Willis, Tillery. There's a lot of guys, and only Butler's 29 years old. Everyone else is. Is, is younger. So these guys yeah. all have room to grow. Yeah, I'm looking at it there. I'm wondering, they really like Jerry Tillery, mm. and he's got to play at a high level. He has the ability to pop and be the guy he's that does want. Yeah, he's got to play smart. Yeah, he's got to play smarter. We know that. Yes. We, we believe me. We know <laughs> that. And at 26 years old, there's upside there. But some of the players that they've taken over the last couple of years, you know, Butler's 23. Mm-hmm. The newer player comes in. He's a young player. Neil Farrell Jr., one of the smartest guys I've ever interviewed, right. ever interviewed. He's that sharp. Bilal Nichols, they brought over. They're very familiar. He's only 26. And then there's John Jenkins, as you mentioned, where he's a guy who thinks he's probably going to lead that room in regards to tradition and right. experience and all that. He's going to have to fight. I mean, there is a fight with every position here for snaps, let alone making this roster. Which is, again, a good thing. I mean, nobody can get comfortable. Nobody can say, okay, that's my job. You're going to fight out for that job because you have so many guys that want to get onto the field and have guys that have the opportunity to get onto the field. So I, I just think that they're in a good position. They've just got to find that right rotation. Who's going to start? Who's going to be the second string? One more follow-up on that with Chandler Jones. Is Chandler Jones just going to be spelled and rested mm-hmm. to come in and just come off the edge, or is he going to move inside? I I think at this stage in his career, we've seen it with Rod Woodson move from corner to safety. Charles was able to do that, too. He's not your typical interior guy, but he's so smart and so good against the run. Might we see more snaps with Chandler Jones on the back end of his career there? 
as Tyree Wilson's on the outside, leave Chandler on the field, yeah. especially in passing situations where he can bat balls down. I think that's the thing about it. Chandler Jones, I believe, is going to be willing to do whatever, right? That's that's the thing about it. He's a seasoned veteran. He's been there, done that. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that all season long last year, every player in that locker room would tell us after the game how much Chandler Jones meant to that roster and what he meant, especially on the practice field. So I think that he'll, he's willing to do whatever it takes to get on the field and make plays happen. I also think he has an opportunity to be, you know, a guy that comes in and situational passes and, and pins his ears back and does what Chandler Jones has done really well throughout the course of his career. So I thought going into the draft, the biggest need was defensive tackle or corner. So mm-hmm. they were able to, you know, take care of that to some degree. Now linebacker becomes the biggest weakness right. on this roster. And I think they can clean that up in a trade. I really believe that. I'm not predicting one, right. but if you want to go out and make a run at Patrick Queen or you want to go out and get a certain type of player on a cut down from another roster, we've seen that with some good players. Denzel Perryman, other players were able to come yeah. in, and I think that's where maybe Dave Ziegler's got to pivot on that, to find a linebacker that's still got some juice left. He might mm-hmm. be 29-30, but you can plug and play him with Spillane, who came in in the offseason. How do you see that? I, I see it the same way you do. I think that there's an opportunity for Dave Ziegler to go out there and comb through some of these other teams and see if there's a guy that maybe one of those teams don't want. You mentioned Patrick Queen, and we know that Roquan Smith got paid in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You don't expect both of those uh, guys to get paid. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Patrick Queen, so I think it's a guy that they could pick up the phone, at least give a call. Hey, what's it going to take to go get it done? But the one thing about Dave Ziegler is he's very disciplined, which I could appreciate. Right? Oh, that costs too much to do business? No thanks. I'll, I'll go about my business somewhere else. I could appreciate that. Well, I think Divine Diablo is under the radar. If he's healthy, he should be healthy coming into camp at 100%. And he is a specimen. He's the type of guy that can come off the edge. He can chase down tight ends. He can do a lot of things. He has to be developed. You know, Q, we're not talking about the players in this group that are going to come in and get developed. Obviously, they were drafted for a reason. But the guys from the former regime who are still here have to be developed better. We mentioned Malcolm Kuntz. We look at this group here with Divine Diablo. He's got to play it. Masterson played well at times. Yeah. Who's going to pop, do you think, out of this group and stay on the field? That's a great question. Spillane, we know, is a really good guy against the run. You know, I think that there's times that he gets a little lost in coverage, but I think Spillane is really good against the run. So Masterson may be able to step up. Darian Butler's always been a guy that I paid mm-hmm. attention to a lot. Of course, Antonio Pierce is the linebacker coach. Butler comes from uh, ASU, so he knows him very well. I always looked at him and Masterson as guys that have an opportunity. But then, you know, you got Bernie, the, the sixth-round pick out of Florida, and he's a guy very similar to Divine Diablo, went from being a safety to being a linebacker, a one-year starter there at Florida, and came away with some production. Again, it goes back to the theme that we started this whole show, production and still have room to grow. All these guys have it, including Bernie. And we didn't talk much about Bernie with Red. I would have liked to get into that more because he's a hybrid, started as a corner, moved yeah. to linebacker. I like players like that. I think that's where the sport is evolving to, faster linebackers who have cornerback principles and yeah. can guard but can also chase down and tackle strong. Yeah, it's not your uh, old-school linebacker, right, with the big neck roll that's coming downhill. Yeah. It's, not, it's not that guy anymore. I mean, it's just the way that the league is gone. You need a guy that can go sideline to sideline. you got to have a guy that doesn't get lost in coverage, a guy that's going to be able to defend a Kelsey or a running back coming out of the backfield, and that's what Bernie has an opportunity to do. Of course, he's got to put it all together, but uh, the one year as a starter in Florida, again, he came away with some uh, big plays. He had four sacks, had a couple interceptions, a couple forced 
fumbles, and he claims to have the best hands in Florida, so there's that. And Jacorian Bennett coming in as a fast 4-3 guy. He's very important, too. He's got to be on the field. Yep. They went out there and got him at that time. He has got to be out there in multiple packages mm-hmm. inside. He played outside in college. He's expected to play outside and inside. If someone goes down and there's an injury, you got to right. feel like he can step up and play there. And I don't think they're done, Q, at corner yet. As we take a look at the cornerbacks and what's going to happen here, the Raiders, this is not, to me, a strong elite group. It's right. not. But if Nate Hobbs at 23 and Jacorian Bennett at 22 develop into the next phase, I want to see what Duke Shelley can do. I want to see what some of these guys, David Long Jr., yeah. are supposed to do. We know what Sam Webb and Amik Robertson can do, but Bennett and Hobbs got to elevate. I, I, I'm talking about Hobbs more than anybody I know because Hobbs has got to take that next step. Patrick Graham's had him now. He's got to work with mm-hmm. him this offseason and go, you're going to be a cornerstone-type player for us. We're not taking you off the field in nickel, in base, and I think Nate Hobbs is going to be really important if the Raiders are going to find success and improve in the secondary. I was very excited about Nate Hobbs last year because they were putting him outside, and mm. I think that he has an opportunity to be really good on the outside. He's got that mentality, right? He's got that dog in him. He's got that physicality. You saw when he came back from injury against mm-hmm. the Chargers at Allegiant Stadium how much of a difference he made to be out there. Nate Hobbs has to stay healthy, right? He had yeah. uh, multiple hand injuries in 2022. He's got to be able to stay on the field because he can be that guy outside on, on as a long-term corner for the Raiders. He's just got to stay healthy. And if, like you said, they develop Hobbs and Bennett uh, to be the corners, the long-term corners. I think Faison's going to uh, provide a little juice as well. I mean, he's a guy who's very physical, and that's the one thing about Patrick Graham. He wants corners that are going to be out there and be physical. And you look at that list, a lot of those guys have that physicality trait. All right, let's move on to the safeties, but I'll say this quick. The preseason games are going to be amazing this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big preseason game right, guy because right. we're all in this confused area in the history of the sport to sit every Everyone and not let them play. Right. But these dogs on the back end are going to have to fight for their job in the preseason. The third and fourth preseason game is going to be unbelievable as we're whittling down this depth chart. As we look at the safeties, Epps played 20 games last year for yeah. the Eagles. He is battle tested. Yes, and the most snaps. So Epps is going to start. Yep. We mentioned Trayvon Merrig, only 23 years old. Christopher Smith comes in here. And then we'll see what happens with Teamer, who fights his way to stay on this team and get some valuable snaps here. But again, this is a room with Christopher Smith that I think got a little bit better quietly because mm-hmm. I didn't think he'd be on the board when the Raiders got him there and they could get some value out of him. No, he was a guy that a lot of people expected to go around round three, yeah, right? And I the did. Raiders get him a lot later, and, and that's good uh, that they're able to find that value. Again, tip of the cap to Dave Ziegler and his, his staff for being able to get that value in him. And again, the biggest thing for me, JT, is you know we've seen the Raiders, we've covered them long enough, uh, been fans of the team long enough to know that there's not enough production as far as ball production. Something Josh McDaniel Daniels uh, and Dave Ziegler both harped on. You got to get guys that can get their hands on the quarterback and hands on the ball. And if you look at the guys on defense, they all have production. Christopher Smith, six interceptions the last Mm. two seasons. He's used to going and finding the ball. That's something that's so necessary for this defense moving forward. Yeah, you got to improve the ranking of the defense and the turnovers. And the only way they're going to do it with this elite pass rush and guys on the back end who can go after the football when it's thrown up in the air, when Max is about to collapse the pocket. That's the only way it's going to happen. Let's look at the offense, as I said. I'm very excited about the offense. I don't know many people who are critical of this offense with Jimmy G, Josh Jacobs, obviously being franchise tagged, expected to be here. 
And then you look at the wide receiver room. The wide receiver room is Loaded. fascinating. Loaded. Fascinating on who's going to play, when are they going to play, who's going to play in certain packages here. You know me. I've said this in the past. I like to run almost every play to Devontae. Right. Devontae's right. the priority. Well, yeah. If Devontae's not open, everybody else run your routes and we'll try to get you the ball. But mm-hmm. when you have Devontae Adams, you got Jacoby Myers, and now with uh, Michael Mayer, when you have a tight end who can get the ball and extend the change – I just love this team on third and six, seven, and eight. You know, third and 14 is different. Right. But when you have third and manageable right. or right outside of between five and eight yards, who are you going to guard here? Depending right. on who. I and mean, how about Cam Sims? Well, the, the good thing is that you don't have a guy that's going to get double teamed. I mean, you're going to see the double team go to Devontae, but really they can't, right? Because they have so many guys that can make plays. And so I, I think that that helps a lot. Uh, again, that mayor selection in round two, man, I think that was so sneaky good. And that could be something that we're talking about when we're doing the round table in week eight of the yeah. regular season. Mm-hmm. Like, man, this dude has been a phenomenal pickup. Yeah, the tight end room, I think, is strong because yep. if you look at who's there, but the wide receivers. I don't know who's going to make the team. I really don't. Keelan Cole, Philip Dorsett, DeAndre Carter is very intriguing to me because he's elite in special teams, yeah. but we got a young elite player now on special mm-hmm. teams, and uh, with Hunter Renfro not being able to and not having to secure the football on punts and take a beating right. the way he has, you know, the next man up there. So I think the wide receiver room is going to be really strong. And as we take a look at the tight ends here, bringing in Austin Hooper, which I thought was good, a two-time pro bowler. So someone who was a really good player mm-hmm. when you take a look at the tight end here. And then I wonder what O.J. Howard has left. He's only 28 years old. Feels like he's been in the league forever, right? And he's healthy. (laughs) He's healthy now. And Horstead and what he was able to do, I like this. But Michael Mayer, who's Mm -hmm. only 21, he'll start. He'll be out on the field a lot. And then there's a lot of other players. And the backfield's as good as any backfield there because Josh took all the snaps last year. What is everybody thinking? Zamir White, all the other, you know, Britton Brown, everybody's saying, wait a second, I saw what Josh did last year. I got to be ready, depending on what happens with Josh in the preseason here. There's going to be a battle there. Both of those rooms combined, we combined it on our graphic. And if you're listening on radio, it's a deep, deep room with a lot of experience in the great Josh Jacobs. And the thing about it is, especially in the running back room, it makes every one of those guys appreciate their opportunity. When they get out on the field, it doesn't matter how many snaps that they, they're out there for, they realize this might be my last snap because Josh Jacobs is, is, is coming yeah. off the field. He's a guy who doesn't want to come off the field, so he's, he's a guy that's going to make sure that he's on early and often, so if, you get, if you're Zamir White and you get an opportunity to, to run a couple snaps in a row, you better make it the best snaps, and then if you have some really good snaps, guess what? You get on the field a little bit longer, so I think it's a win-win situation for the Raiders. They have the talent, but then they also have the guys that can go the, the majority of the game like a Josh Jacobs, so it just makes all these guys work a little bit harder. And we know they're comfortable with, they're comfortable with the offensive line. The offensive line led the league in rushing with Josh Jacobs. They're trying to improve on pass protection, but there's a couple of undrafted free agents mm-hmm. that are sleepers that the Raiders brought in. There's a lot of depth there. Colt Miller is the elite player. I'm surprised they didn't get another starter on the offensive line early. Right. I think in the third or fourth round they could have at least tried to pull that off. Why do you think they did not go down that road when you look at this room? I don't think that they they saw the guy that they really wanted yeah. at the time. I think that's the biggest thing, and it goes back to the, you know, the discipline of Dave Ziegler. Instead of saying, well, we need a right tackle so bad let's just go and make a move and do whatever it takes to go and get desperate and go get that guy instead I think he was comfortable with letting the board fall to him and say you know what 
okay, that's not the guy that we, we want to get, so we'll just wait and we'll go get a really good football player. There's nothing wrong with drafting really good football players, and if the guy that in particular that you wanted is not there, then you just move on. Again, they signed a couple guys as they undrafted did. free agents, so obviously they know offensive line needs some work. There'll be competition in camp as well, but uh, I'm, I'm okay with that because, again, they didn't force the issue, which is something that I think that the Raiders need to get away from is forcing the issue. Yeah, we know their philosophy now. It's next man up, yep. competition on the offensive line. For Q Myers, I'm JT. Thanks to Rhett Lewis. He was outstanding. Yeah. Thanks to watching and listening to Raiders Roundtable. Share it. Subscribe. Find us on YouTube. Raider Nation Radio. What do we got lined up? We just got through the busy season. <laughs> yeah. Especially you. You were the road dog. Man, I was, but it's okay. We're, we're going to be busy on Raider Nation Radio just breaking down all these players and seeing how they all fit, just like we're doing here on the Roundtable, and uh, helping put this uh, roster together, and, and of course, keeping uh, Raider Nation's uh, hopes alive on everything that's going to be moving forward. So excited about what we have coming up in a few months. Raider Nation, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Raiders Roundtable. Table.